0: It was shortly then before our third anniversary when he said to me, I don't love you the way a husband should love a wife. I don't think I want to be married anymore.
1: Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray.
1: And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships.
2: Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website CouplesSynergy.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years.
1: You know, everyone says you should work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of.
2: With the partner they fell in love with, On today's episode, we welcome Christian Family. She is a twice-divorced adult child of divorce and co-parent mother of three, a former divorce attorney uh, whose divorced parents still live with her, and she is an expert on all things divorce and co-parenting. Thank you so much, Christian, for joining us on our podcast today.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
2: So, you know, before we get into your your full story and kind of what you do in helping people go through divorce and and kind of guide them through that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? You know, how old are you and what do you do for a living and and just what what makes you happy these days?
0: Cool, cool. Well, I am a 44-year-old mother of three and I have three little ones. So they're eight, six, and three. I started a little late having kids. Um, I am a recovering divorce lawyer. I practiced divorce law for nearly 20 years, and there's definitely like a shelf life uh, on that practice. I'm right now transitioning uh, into being a divorce coach and trainer. I'm finding that people put so much emphasis on the legal aspect of the divorce, and that's really not what divorce is about. And so I'm out here now with my mission and my message to really help people redefine divorce.
1: That's such an important thing. And, you know, the same thing is true with marriage and there's just no kind of pathway to help you through it. And when you're going through a divorce, it's not like you are an expert at it. It's like you're thrown into a situation and you have to figure all these things out. And so I think that's such a necessary thing because it is we, we agree to, we help people with that type of transition and it is life changing in the same way that going through getting a college degree or a marriage is life changing. And so how did you decide to become a divorce coach as opposed to a lawyer?
0: Ooh, so this is kind of a good story. Uh, it started with the TED talk actually. So in doing the TED talk, I just was really in my space right because i've always really wanted to be a public speaker and i'm trained and to be a transformational facilitator and that really is my passion. And I was finding that being a lawyer i'm really helping people one on one and i'm really in a position now where I could help people really one on many and have a much bigger impact so. After doing the TED Talk, at the time, I was in a program with Goldman Sachs. They have a 10,000 small businesses program, which was really helping you look at opportunities and talk about just, you know, how to build your business and, and how to look at the finances and things. And it was there that I realized that while my law firm was making more money every year, I was not profitable. I mean, and when I say not profitable, I mean, Right. It doesn't matter how much money you're making if you're not actually bringing any home. Right. So that in itself was kind of like, mm, I don't think you're doing this right. So <laughs> coupled <laughs> with the fact that I realized my passion was someplace else and that maybe running this business wasn't my top thing. I started kind of downsizing. You know, I let go of my staff. I got rid of my office space. I was moving to a virtual space. I was coming to a home office where I could just be very, very much cherry pick my clients and start moving to something else. And then COVID hit. Mm. And I was like, dude, if I am going to close down this practice and really transition into what I wanna do, now is the time. And so I took that big giant leap and I found the law practice and I stopped practicing law altogether because I feel like you gotta burn that bridge, you know? Because on some level, it's the only way I know how to make money. (laughs) And so I'm like, well, I don't want to go back there. I want to do this new thing. And so, yeah, here I am just stepping out.
2: That is quite a pivot, right? And I think that, you know, one thing we've said in past podcasts is that this pandemic has has been kind of a great equalizer for everyone. It's the same pressure, same squeeze, and we all have had to adapt to it in many different ways. Um, you know, there is something that we have said to couples in, in the past, and past podcasts, and you said it on your TED Talk, and that is that every relationship ends, right? Yes. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they kind of are taken aback, right? People are like, "What? Well, what do you mean every marriage ends? Well, yeah, even marriages that go on for 50 years or 60 years, at some point, it is going to end, you know, and a lot of... Um, vows say until death do us part right because we have no idea what's happening afterwards right so you know tell me a little bit about that about that that phrase and that sentence you know how you use it and how you approach people when when talking about a relationship ending
0: oh thank you for that the main thing is to help people remove some of the shame and the guilt that's associated with a marriage ending you know, when you break up with somebody, you know, it's sad, but nobody's like, you suck. You can't do relationships. Never do it again. You know, people have jobs and the, and the relationship, you know, right with your employer ends. It's not like, ah, you should never work again. You know what I mean? Like there are people who have to even divorce their, their family, you know, and separate from that relationship because it's just not healthy, you know? And so the idea is that just because a relationship ends, it doesn't mean that somebody did something wrong. And it doesn't mean that you failed. Um, to me, if you manage to stay in a relationship with somebody for 10 years, I think that's a success. I mean, there are a lot of people who can't make it but a couple of months, <laughs> you know? You made it 10 years, you gave it your all and it didn't work out, you know? It doesn't mean, right, that, that you're a failure or that you've done something wrong. And so that's the idea is to really just to separate those ideas from each other.
1: You know, we always talk about a healthy relationship is one that's helping you grow and heal and become. And if you stop growing in it, then you outgrow its usefulness. And so it is kind of a natural process. And, you know, some people, when you're in a relationship, you have no control over the other person. If they choose not to work on it with you, you don't really have a choice and it would be unhealthy for you to try to stay in something that doesn't feed you. So there's a big buzzword that people are talking about, maybe a little buzz phrase right now called your mess is your message. And I know that, you know, you have a story of your mess, which probably helped you get to this message. Can you share some of your story with us?
0: Oh, sure. I'd love to. Um, The short story, well, it's not really a short story, but I started actually practicing family law while I was still in law school um, at the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland. I was hoping abused women get protection orders and divorces from their husbands and i knew then that i had kind of found my place in the law right because it was like where social work and law met but even my idea um, about divorce at that time was still kind of judgmental right i thought well these women married wrong you know they made poor choices and that that's why they're divorced Um, was judgmental about divorce because my parents had been divorced, you know? And I thought, ah, they should have worked harder. And even helping people with divorce all those years, it wasn't until I divorced myself the first time that I realized, wait, divorce can happen to you. So with my first marriage, it was only three years, but he and I had dated for like 10 years leading up to that. I was so in love with him. And I knew just my big commitment was I had made a plan that I was going to meet the man that I married my senior year of college. We were going to date and then we're going to get married. I had a very clear plan on how this was going to work. And so I continued to follow that plan, even when there were some signs that said maybe this isn't a good plan. You know, (laughs) I was just going with it. It was shortly then before our third anniversary when he said to me, I don't love you the way a husband should love a wife i don't think i want to be married anymore wow yeah i mean and it cut it cut deep because i was so sure that i was being the perfect wife you know i'm cooking i'm cleaning i'm you know i don't nag i let him do what he wants you know he traveled for work when he'd come home i'd be in lingerie like just everything that I could think a perfect wife would do, and still, he wanted a divorce from me. Really stopped me from being judgmental about it there.
2: Right, if if you feel like you're doing everything that you can, and still, you know, he's going to make the choice to leave the, the relationship, then yeah, that, that would definitely take that judgment off, right?
1: I, I would say that's even a very important part of your story, Because if you weren't doing everything right, you probably wouldn't have the clarity that you have that sometimes divorce happens to you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, how did you find
1: out that he was not in love with you anymore?
0: Oh my gosh. So then the story gets dramatic. Not really super proud of this, but I'll share it. (laughs) Right. So. So he left. When he left me, he told me a story that he was moving to Illinois because that's where his job was and that we were just separating for six months. Like maybe we're working on the marriage. And so it let me let him go. He left me. He even took a couple of credit cards that were still in my name. Right. And so he goes and he does this. After about six months, when I don't hear from him, I realized. I don't think we're getting back together. (laughs) He's, He's gone. I don't think he's coming back. So I got the right idea to file for divorce, not because I wanted a divorce, but because I wanted him to get the papers and then realize what he'd done wrong and come running back to me. It didn't work out that way. So I still waited kind of a lot of time before I would get the court date, but I finally show up at court. I'm like, this is it, I haven't seen him. This is like a significant amount of time. We're just gonna get divorced today. And he didn't, it just agreed to my terms, which was frustrating to me, right? Because as I know, he left with some of my credit cards, like he owes me money, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I'm frustrated. I go to Facebook. Now, this is back uh, 2009, right? So Facebook's still kind of early. I get on Facebook and I make a post that says, I thought I was going to be divorced today. I wish I had married a man. So, you know, I'm sharp with my words. <laughs> After this post, because he and I weren't even friends on Facebook, clearly some of our mutual friends or people in common told him about the post. So he then hacks into my email. I mean, the story gets right. He hacks into my email and he sends me an e- like a message from my message, kind of like, you know, you shouldn't be talking about people on Facebook like this, you know, like kind of, you know, it was a veiled kind of threat. And I sat with that. And then I thought, wait, I bet if he can log into my email, I can log into his email. And this was the beginning of the end. (laughs) So now I'm in his email and I'm looking at his emails and I'm looking at things. And it was inside of those emails that I realized that not only did he leave me and not for his job, he left me for his boyfriend. Wow. Yeah, he had moved in with a fella, a guy that I knew. They had met at my church. Um, they both sang, you know, the guys sang in the choir. They were in a fraternity together, and it was just like really, it was like shattering into reality. And then I became like obsessed, right, with like with checking his emails and finding the things in there, and it was really kind of turning me into a crazy person. Mm-hmm. I then. I did the thing that I think I'm the least proud of in my entire life. um, Hurt um, and devastated. I went back to social media. And this time hacked into his page. And I outed him.
2: Oh. Wow. Oh.
0: Yeah. And it just. Right. And it doesn't really matter how hurt you are as a person. How hurt I was as a person. Some things just are wrong. Some lines should not be crossed, you know. But there we were. <laughs> there we were. That so is an
1: interesting point because we yeah. see that a lot where people, they're in so much pain they can't contain themselves. And they what we say is they kind of turn their life into a Jerry Springer show and they're offering the information and they're not protecting themselves, maybe their children or other people around that. And it's a really hard thing because that is our first – gut reaction is to go and prove our case, right? Yeah.
2: Well, I, the number one language in relationships is uh, emotion, right? And so it's a very emotional thing when you are getting married. It's a very emotional thing when you're getting divorced. We don't think logically when we are in that emotional space, you know? So, you know, that that's just a reflection of how much pain, you know, that you were going through at that time.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for that understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I've been kind of just processing mm-hmm. uh, through it myself. Um, I recently found out off topic that he is actually really ill, like uh-huh. almost like uh, some kind of autoimmune thing. Like he lost the ability to walk and like talk mm. like, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I just recently learned that and I'm trying to find a way to reach out to him, you know,
2: we, we had that's actually like podcasted, uh, a, a woman who had been married for how many years was 27. she married? 27 years and her husband came out of the closet. Um, and it was quite a shy that two kids and quite a shock for her. And she talks about her process and how she went through that. Cause that's, that's a completely separate process than just getting divorced.
0: It is. Oh my gosh. And thanks for that. Cause here's another thing that I, I share sometimes with people, um, because I was so committed to never being divorced, if he hadn't left me the way he did, if he'd have just shared with me that, you know, he had an attraction to men and that, you know, that that was his preference, I would have found a way to work that into the marriage because I so desperately didn't want to be divorced. I would have spent the entire marriage really being rejected sexually because that's what was happening there.
1: It's interesting because, you know, listening to you talk, it really sounds like, and I think this is a mistake a lot of people make and a lot of women make, is we're having the relationship in our head and we're having our relationship with the potential of what we've decided the person is and not the reality of it. And we will visualize that world from that space and anything that doesn't fit we sort of discard. And I think that is something that especially younger women go through in life where they have to figure out, I think what Oprah said is, when when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them, you know. And you probably looking back knew, and saw where you just, oh, that doesn't fit. I'm looking the other way. And even, you know, that brutal honesty of, I would have made it work because my go- my goal, my vision was that, you know. And so on paper, and obviously you were probably still financially supporting him, if you had your credit cards. Yeah, it's a very vulnerable position to be in. What are some of the feelings and thoughts you had around finding out he was gay and what that meant to you
0: in your person? Mm, Thank you for that. It um, it brought with it such a confusion of emotions because I loved him, but I hated him. You know, I've pitied him because he had to, to live, you know, that kind of fake life. Um, but then I also wanted to fight him, right? For bringing, (laughs) for bringing me along the ride with him. And so it was just that complicated sense of emotions that was going on, um, which led me into therapy. So I'd never been in therapy before, but it was a real question. How did I manage to be in a relationship for 10 years with a person that was gay? And I just didn't know, oh my God, And it's exactly like you're saying, Gene. it was because I was living this fantasy world. And So as I kind of shattered into reality, it helped me to see, the number one thing I um, uncovered in therapy is that my kind of core wound started when my parents got divorced. And that's when I started living in kind of a fantasy world and put on my rose colored glasses and I had decided that things were good. Whatever the circumstances around me were were showing I decided that it was good and I was gonna be happy and accepting of it. And so having just made that decision as a child, it put me in a position where I could, like you say, ignore things that were there. And I accepted things that really weren't acceptable. And that that was a core thing. And I'm still dealing with that (laughs) because I got into a second bad marriage, which we'll talk about. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So, you know, do you want to just go right into that and talk about, you know, the the second marriage and maybe how the first marriage really impacted you choosing the second marriage and being in that that relationship?
0: Mm. You guys ask good questions. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. So in the first marriage, I was very much what I would call single wife. Right? He traveled for work, he did a lot of things without me. So I was married, but I was alone. And he also, of course, didn't desire me sexually, right? Which was rough in my 20s because I was hot, you know what I mean? And so there was this thing happening. When I met Troy, which would be my second husband, he was so attentive. He was so into me. He really just wanted to spend time with me, which was something apparently I, I needed and desired and didn't realize. Because anything I wanted to do, he would do. You know, let's go to a play. Yeah, sure, let's do it. You know, let's pick up this stuff off of Craigslist. I got a, like a bad Craigslist habit. You know, so, you know let's go get <laughs> it. You know, and so just let we go and we do this kind of stuff. And he was very passionate um, about me, right? Um, physically, emotionally, and then he's also a very passionate person. Like he can get really sad and he can get really angry. And at the time, that was very exciting to me because I had been living shut down and clearly the first husband was kind of shut down, right? Cause he's living this kind of fake life. And so he brought passion, right? And excitement to my life. And I was like, yes, you know? And so passion can easily turn into obsession is true. <laughs> and so right? So I was attracted to him though because he was offering the things that the first marriage didn't. I also was very attracted to his heart. Um, I at the time was working on a foster care license and he had in his, he had guardianship over a young man who was the child of a previous girlfriend. This makes any sense, right? He was with Mm -hmm. this woman. She had three kids at the time. The young man was only two when he got with her. Even when him and the woman broke up, he kept the kid. And I thought, wow, you know what I mean? Like what a heart. And he really understood my desire um, to have the foster kids. Like it wasn't weird to him at all. We were both, I want to say like 35, uh, no kids. It just was not like it seemed like the thing to do. You know, you go to church with me, blah blah blah. And then <laughs> and then. Um that which <sighs> okay, so like right, this look like, I'm just I'm grounding. I'm grounding myself in a story. <laughs> I got pregnant really fast. I think that's important Mm -hmm. to the story. So I was Mm -hmm. working on my foster care license. Like, no, I mean really fast. Like I met him in March. I had my first foster kids in June. I was pregnant by September. It was fast. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And so at that point, I kind of felt like I was in it. Um, We weren't married, of course. And I didn't feel comfortable saying to my grandfather, Hey, I'm about to have this baby at 35 without saying that I had a husband. So now I was kind of like, Well, we got to get married. So he proposed. Um, and even during the proposal, like during that period, there was at the house after I had the baby where he like pushed me, right? And so like he pushed me over. I'm holding the baby. Like this is the situation. Um, I had a girlfriend who was at the Me, who had experienced domestic violence as a child. And so like it really triggered her, which was interesting because it didn't trigger me as much. I thought it was wrong, but again, like I'm always in this space where like, things are what I want them to be and not necessarily what they are. And there's no way in God's name that I would be in an abusive relationship, but it triggered her, right? And it triggered her till she was like, we got to get out of here. And so she packed up me and my baby, the three foster kids, and she took us to her house. Mm -hmm. And me being the goody two shoes I am, I then contacted the foster care people to say, this isn't right, right? The reason the kids are with me is because they're coming from these tumultuous backgrounds. And here I haven't been a place where we're having to flee. And the foster care people gave me an opportunity to um, make a decision that I would get a protection order, a protection of abuse order uh, from him and keep him away because they wouldn't blame me for what he did as long as I was putting safety measures in place. Or I could let go of my foster care license and pursue a relationship with him. Wow. Yeah.
2: It's uh, probably an easy choice at that point, right?
0: Oh my gosh, right? I made the decision, right? To pursue the relationship with him because it felt like what I had to do because I had that baby with him. And it's then Mm -hmm. that I know now looking back, that's when I made the decision that I was in that marriage. Like a decision had been made and I would refused to believe that i had made the wrong choice. therefore i had to make this marriage work.
1: i want to and jump I- in for a second because i think this is such an important part of your story is clearly you're a very intelligent person and your self-esteem is healthy and yet you're still find yourself in the middle of a relationship that's toxic and abusive and that happens a lot and it, and it is part of, again, I think especially a woman's journey or, you know, when those needs don't get met when you're a child, you as an individual person can be healthy and can, can be intelligent, and make good choices in your life. But then you get in a relationship and I call it the stupid hormone. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like all of a sudden it, it's like this other thing sort of takes over where you, you're logicing. Yourself in the relationship instead of trusting your heart. And when I'm working with someone, I'll say to them, You knew in the first month. And they'll say, No, I didn't. And I said, Yes, you did. And then maybe it'll even be years later and they'll come back and they'll say, I did know in my heart. And I overrode that with my head because our domestication process teaches us that. And, you know, boys are more domesticated to, you know, get on the scrimmage line and bulldoze the kid in front of you and go for the goal. And they're taught unhealthy things in a different way. And girls are taught, think about everybody else. Don't be selfish. Don't worry about you. And so we give everyone a pass when maybe we should not. And, and so I really want to normalize this for people out there listening, that it, it doesn't mean that you are a big mess. It means that this is a part of life that you're trying to heal. And so what happens from there in your story?
0: Oh my goodness. So then from there, (laughs) I keep trying to make it work, right? I'm just trying to make it work. I'm doing everything I can. We ended up having two more children. I, let's see, I helped him start a business, just anything to make him appreciate that I thought he was good enough for me. (laughs) Because that seemed to be the underlying issue is he didn't feel worthy he had this jealousy. He just didn't, yeah, feel worthy. And so I'm doing, I'm killing myself <laughs> right, to to make him see that he's the one I want to be with, that this is a good life, that we have happiness here. So I helped him start a business. I would take him on trips. Um, I really <laughs> was the primary breadwinner. Did he
2: continue this. to be physically abusive all during this time?
0: Yes. And hmm. yes, um, Drinking uh, usually was the big catalyst to it, there'd be drinking and the abuse was there'd there'd be yelling, there'd be throwing um, of things, um, grabbing. And then he'd always say, well, I didn't hit you. You know, right? Like that was his thing. Like, no, because my prior girlfriend, like I really beat her up. Mm. Thanks. (laughs) you know like so to him right like if if I'm not punching you in the face it's not really abuse like that seemed to be his his message on it and what did I know I had never really been in an abused relationship before it just it it felt wrong but like I was trapped in it he spit in my face which is really disrespectful and humiliating Um, and humiliating yeah You know, he called me nasty names and just, and I'd say to him, like, you're the only person who has such a low opinion of me. Why would you say this to me? Why do you feel this way about me? How did, how did that
1: impact you on uh, a physical health level and a mental and emotional health level?
0: Mm, I had shut down completely emotionally. Um, Physically it was draining me. I was tired all the time i would wake up tired i'd go to bed tired and it worked into the the thing because he took care of the kids a lot like he he was good with the kids when he had to right i was going to work and because i was so tired i felt like i couldn't there was no way that i could be a single mom and take care of these three kids i couldn't do it i don't have the energy i don't have the wherewithal What helped me to realize that I was shut down is I had enrolled in an emotional intelligence leadership training. There are a lot of centers around the country. Here in Columbus, it's the next level trainings. I had heard about next level trainings really back in 2015, which is really interesting, but you know, I finally signed up for the workshop because I'm like, my business isn't growing the way I feel like my business should be growing, right? Like I'm just not making the kind of money I should be making what in fact is my limiting belief, right? What's my blind spot? How, what am I doing to stop myself from doing this? And so I go into the workshop to learn this information, right? How can I make more money in my business? The workshop was scheduled for August the 3rd through the 5th of 2018, um, which was a cool date because August the 5th was my birthday. In another issue incident altogether in May, I had made the decision to change my name right to Christian families, fun story. And the hearing ended up being on August the 2nd. So it was just the day before that workshop, just, you know, some stuff only guy can line up. What I didn't anticipate was that on August the 1st, he would punch me in the face. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So all of these years leading up to this, it's not abuse, it's not abuse, I didn't punch you in the face. Now you punched me in the face and like black my eye. So now so it's public. The... Right. Yeah. This is right. I go into the name change hearing with a black eye. I'm in this emotional intelligence training with a black eye. The whole time there's a sign on the wall that says, what are you pretending not to know? Wow. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. And so here I am. A woman who has a message, right? This is that you don't have to stay in these kind of marriages. And here I am trapped in this kind of marriage. Like clearly, I'm an abused woman. I'm not acknowledging it. And this is the reason that my business isn't growing because the, my message is incongruous, right?
2: Literally, the signs were on the wall.
0: Literally, <laughs> literally, right? And so so this is the beginning of the training. So here's where like, right? Because the question is, what happened to me, Millie? How did I realize what's happening here? Right? So this is the kind of the wake up, right? Cause an object emotion stays in motion unless acted on by intervening force, right? So this is my intervening force. So now I finished the workshop that weekend that was the first three days. And then there's the second four days it's a couple of weeks later. So I leave the workshop knowing I'm an abused woman what do you do with this? You know, like, what do you do with this information, right? I still don't want to be divorced. I still don't want to be a single mom of three. I really just want him to quit being abusive, I'm, that's, right? That's what I really want, is for him to be a different person. So I didn't really know what to do with it, because it's just like, right, like, it's a revelation, but with with no more to it. The day before the second part of the training, so it would have been a Wednesday, he's starting another fight with me. This time, I feel like, I've got tools, right? I'm emotionally intelligent. I've studied this for three days, you know? So he's he's coming at me with all kinds of stuff, you know? And I feel like I'm dodging the blows, right? Like Neo and the Matrix, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not going to engage, right, in this fight. I mean, he did everything that he could think of, you know what I mean? Like, he ended up throwing something and breaking a television. He, like, stabbed the headboard of the bed, like, next to me. He threw... Um, like a container of lotion or something in my head, like everything. And I see myself in the bed huddled because I'm holding my two little boys. And Zeke, if was 2018, so Zeke must have only been one, right? So I've got like the one-year-old, the four-year-old and like I'm in the bed with the boys and I'm saying to him, you don't have to do this right now like this. You know, you'll still be mad at me tomorrow. You don't have to do this right here, right now in front of these boys. He finally, when he couldn't get a rise out of me because I didn't like stand up, right? That was part of the thing I did. I never s- stood up, right? Because that causes more engagement. I stayed down. He finally picks up the baby and he leaves with the baby. And in a different place, that, that would have been the thing, right, that would have triggered me to like chase after him. But a voice in my head said, if he kills that baby, that's on him. And it was just, it was a weird place to be. But what was I gonna do if I jumped up? Like what, what other bad thing was gonna happen there, you know? So that was the Wednesday. I go to the training, Thursday and Friday. And like, they're really long training. So I'm kind of able to like miss him. I'm like, he's calling me, he's texting me. I'm like, dude, I don't wanna talk to you, I don't wanna talk to you. So finally Saturday, I said, I'll talk to you in the morning on Saturday. He comes into the bathroom and in the shower and sure enough, he's still having the same fight with me from Wednesday, like the fight had not ended. He's in exactly the same place. And he says to me, what, do you want a divorce? And in that moment, for the first time, I was honest. I said, yes, yes, I do. And it was like he opened the door and I ran through it because I didn't know how I was going to get out of this thing. And up until that point, what I wanted, I live on the loudest corner in the city, (laughs) what I wanted was to not be divorced. And I had finally got to a place where, no, what I wanted was to be happy. What I wanted was to be healthy. What I wanted was not this, you know? I made it to the training that Saturday and it was, it was an ordeal saying that with the the divorce, like he threw a cup of coffee at me. Thank God it wasn't hot. You know what I mean? Like he took my car keys and threw them away. Like I couldn't go. Like it was all the things that I had dreaded when I had not broken up with him in the past. You know, like, cause it's dangerous too. Let's be clear. It's very, very dangerous for a better woman to tell the man that she doesn't want to be with him anymore. It's most likely that you're going to get killed at this time. I get out of there. I get back to the training and I look in the mirror, in the bathroom while I'm there. And I looked myself in the eye and I said to myself, you are a strong, powerful, inspiring woman. And I cried because I realized that I had not looked my own self in the eye. And I don't know how long. I had not said anything positive to myself and I don't know how long. Somewhere in there, I had started to hate myself. And I was killing myself and destroying myself by just allowing all of that negativity to come at me. I was internalizing it. And I didn't realize how bad it had become. Like how long had it been? And I've been on a journey upward ever since.
1: Wow. That's a really incredible story. And, you know, what would you say right now if someone's listening to this that really is stuck in that and they are not seeing, you know, they're denying inside of themselves something, what would you say to them right now?
0: Mm. You get to focus on what you want. And if what you want is not available to you inside of the marriage, then the marriage has exhausted its usefulness. What you want is what, matters and if what you want is peace of mind or freedom to be a good mother you can't do those things if you're dying inside
1: yeah and i would i would add to that you're probably right you should trust whatever feeling is in there that you're kind of going against it's your truth and you know you were able to have that conversation on the spur of the moment because he kind of forced you to But if you have an opportunity, get some support, you know, because it really is, you know, you are worried about him potentially killing you or your child. And that's real stuff. I mean, that really happens in our world. When people get into that part of their brain, there is no logic. Even though I'm sure he loves his children, he was so dealing with his wounds, you know, it's a very dangerous place to be.
2: I think also you had gotten to the point where you were separating out what, you had power and control over versus what he had power and control over. And too often people remain stuck in relationships trying to take power and control over their partner, trying to change their partner. And it's a losing battle, right? Because we don't have control over other people. We can't change other people, right? And so and every relationship, you know, the goal of it is to help your partner become a better person right and if both people are doing that then the relationship transforms it gets to that next level and each person evolves as well but at some point if you are evolving and your partner is not well the relationship is is dying at that point
0: exactly exactly
2: so as a numerologist who studies
1: names and things like that i want to hear the story of your name change
0: yeah ooh Aha. Well, so, right, you guys heard the ending, but the beginning of the story is it was really kind of a joke, right? So starting in 2015, I was a part of a law firm management group, and I was at one of their workshops. It was May of 2015, and it was called Open a Second Law Firm. And at the time, I was thinking that my second law firm might be more of a title agency, Um, because again, I'm always um did I say 2015? That's not true. Sorry, May of 2018. Anyway, I was with the group. Anyway, I'm at the workshop. And that what I was thinking about opening would have been a title agency because again, I'm trying to kind of raise the husband up to my level and he was interested in in real estate and that kind of thing. And so maybe if we had a title agency, like this would be the thing, you know, that would save the marriage, right? I'm always trying to save the marriage. Right before I got to the workshop. I had to let my associate go because quite frankly, there wasn't enough money enough work for two lawyers, and I wasn't gonna let me go, right? So I let the associate go on the way to the to the workshop. While I was at the workshop, the paralegal quit, talking about her dad was sick and she just ran I'm going to Florida and I'm never coming back. <laughs> really? So now it was just me and this legal assistant who was the most recently hired person, like she literally only been working there for weeks, you know. And so in the workshop, the guy who runs the group goes, clearly, you're not in a position to uh, start a second law firm because your first one isn't working. (laughs) Maybe you should burn it to the ground, you know, and your second law firm will be your first law firm done the right way. Right? Mm -hmm. Legitimate. Yeah. And so then he goes, and what's with this Manning Law Company? Um, Because my... um, mission has really always been Christian divorce, in particular Christian divorce, because there's so much, right, extra, like divorce is hard anyway, and then you add in that religion aspect, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. He goes, aren't you like Christian divorce law or Christian family law? I said, I am, but in the state of Ohio, they don't allow a law firm to have a trade name. So the only way that I could become Christian family law is if I changed my name (gasps) to Christian family. That's awesome.
2: That's brilliant.
0: Right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and it is a, you know, our name is the most often word we hear. And it is a vibration and a frequency that calls us to who we really are all names come from this sacred spiritual place right i mean you've named children you named yourself well actually he named you and when you hear it it just goes that's who i am right and so how did changing your name change you
0: oh my gosh and so that's really the thing right i worked i walked into the name change hearing right was the day before the workshop which helped me to see hey you are an abused woman And I literally have stepped into being a new person. Like it's an actual new identity. My parents call me Christian, which I think is pretty cool because they're the ones who named me Jamie, right? (laughs) My my parents call me Christian. It really feels like it's it's my message. And so much so that you may recall, I've closed the law firm. Mm -hmm. And I've kept the name. Mm -hmm. And that's part of also how I know it was meant to be because but for the law firm, right? I wouldn't have changed the name. But the name really is me.
1: Yeah, it's almost like you were working through all that other stuff with your Jamie name that ran its course, and now you're ready for the second stage of your life and to embody a whole different energy and frequency. I don't know if you've ever studied numerology, but it's fascinating, and especially... For women who change their tribal name right when we get married we change our tribal name and it does it takes time to adjust and when you do that and you can speak to this as well jamie died yes yeah, yeah. how was that for you
0: oh wow so really powerful i didn't anticipate it would be that way but it's to the point now when people call jamie i almost don't know who they're talking to I'm like, oh, 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 yeah, somebody that knew me from the past. You know what I mean? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) And I've been nice. Like, I don't correct, like, my grandma. But I have to let people know that, no, the name is Christian. The name is Christian. I go by Christian. I am Christian now. Um, And it makes me feel, like, powerful, you know, like, taking that stand for my own name that way. Um, So, yeah, no, I don't know much about numerology, but I do know that when you change your name, it it changes your number mm-hmm. yep. and so changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: to wrap up, can you do a little synopsis of how you help people and how can people get a hold of you?
0: Absolutely. So I think that would be on the table. One is there's a closed Facebook group um, called thinking about divorce. It's a safe place for people in difficult marriages um, because where do you go? If you're just thinking about divorce, and this is people who are like, you're still living with your spouse and you know that this is hard, you know, and, and you're grappling with that. And so it's a good place to go and, and to share. I come in there, I answer questions. Um, there's not a whole lot of activity in there just yet, but I, I see it growing as really a healthy space. So you can find us on Facebook there, right? Thinking about divorce, a safe place for uh, people in a difficult marriage also. I have written a guide that I call the Five Laws of Divorce Secrets Your Divorce Lawyer Can't Tell You. Um, And you can get that at www.divorcexn.com. It's a free uh, download. All you have to do is give me your email and you'll get it. It's just a good thing to look at and think about um, if you're thinking about divorce, if you're currently getting a divorce. If you're just interested in learning more about me, (laughs) there's a YouTube channel. Uh, Christian Family Esquires, Christian Family ESQ. On all the social medias, I am divorce XN. Um, so Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter too, I think, but I don't really tweet. <laughs> so, <laughs> those are the best places to find me. And let's see, one last place ChristianFamilySpeaks.com. Um, there I put links to a lot of the podcasts that I've been on so you can hear my different uh, interviews.
2: Wonderful. That's really awesome. And Christian XN, right? Is that what you said? Divorce XN. Divorce XN. Sounds like a radio station. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Christian family, want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today.
1: You know, people have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to bond and heal and grow. And we hope that by you sharing your story, it's enriched your life and the lives of our listeners.
0: Me too. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
2: I want to wholeheartedly thank you all for listening and tuning into Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, Please email us at contact at synergy.com For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive, our online community called Connections, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com.
1: And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, you know, and particularly what we're talking about in this episode, you could probably save a life. So please download it and share it, and thank you for listening.